Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services. If you're watching the news lately, you're wondering what has happened, happening to America. And even Donald Trump says, we are a nation in decline. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Matter of fact, I'm going to spend little time on it because I've covered it so much. But remember this. God judges all nations all the time. And if we keep that in mind, then that will help us understand the things that are going on. Okay? Now, I also want to say that we have permission to print this booklet. I, I finally got in touch with the man up in, in uh, B.C. who runs the site called the Covenant People. And the world's greatest throne, uh, you have to write in for it. Okay? But this is something you need to read and know, along with our book, America and Britain in Prophecy, and that will help you understand what's happening. Now, remember when Britain joined the EU, a lot of people said, well, if they joined the EU, then the prophecies in the Bible are not true. But what happened? They left. And look what has happened to Britain, after they left. And now Queen Elizabeth is buried, and Charles III is soon going to be king. So we'll have to see how that fits into prophecies as well. Okay, But remember this, all the apostles thought that Christ was returning in their lifetimes. So they didn't find out until the apostolic age was almost over. And that's when Paul wrote First and Second Timothy and Titus and Philemon, and how Timothy was to set up and run a congregation. Okay. Well, today we're going to tackle some difficult scriptures. Now, how do you understand difficult scriptures? Okay. Well, here's the rule. You always start with what you know. Okay. And then you build from there. And then double check back from where you started. And then you take another step and you double back and check where you left. And it should all agree along the way. Okay. So, we will eventually get to Matthew 19, Romans 10, and Acts 15. Because these are areas where the Protestants read them. And they say, we don't have to keep the law. Okay? So, how do we understand it? 
Let's come to Matthew 4, all right? And let's read what Jesus said, okay? And we will also understand this, that not everything in Scripture is lined up in a straight line. Because as Isaiah said, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. Okay, now, Matthew, the fourth chapter. And this is right after Jesus was baptized. Verse 1, then Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit. Now, let's hearken back to atonement. Where was Azazel let go? In the wilderness. So this is where Jesus was going, into the same wilderness. And we'll see who he met there. Okay? And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was famished. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Okay? Now, you talk about a temptation. I don't know how Jesus was physically after 40 days and 40 nights, but he had to go through this temptation when he was absolutely the weakest he could be and still be alive. Okay? Now, when you find people who are starving, they're anxious to do anything, right? Okay? Just think about those poor people who starved to death. Okay? And if they could make stones bread, they would have done it, right? Okay? Jesus could have. So he was being tested. Would he use the power that God gave him to serve himself or to serve God the Father and the reason why he came to the earth? So let's read it. But he answered and said, now, here it is. It is written. So what did Jesus start out with? Scripture. Okay. That's the answer. You use the scriptures properly. It is written. Where's this found? Where's this found? Deuteronomy 8. Okay. Okay. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but, now underline this and, and note this for sure, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay. Question. Did God speak the Ten Commandments? Yes. Did God speak to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yes. Did he speak to the other prophets? Yes, because what does it say all the time with the prophets? The word of the Lord came to me saying, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, right? Okay. Now then, let's ask another question. What scripture tells us who and what Jesus was? 
Okay. So see what we're doing here. I want you to pay attention to what we are doing. Okay. What does it say about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And nothing came into being without him. Okay. So he's the creator of what we find in that is called the Old Testament. Okay. So that was not enough. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him upon the edge of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written. See? Now notice, Satan quotes Scripture, but what? Misapplies it, right? Okay. Now there are a lot of, lot today reading Scripture. Okay. Okay, we'll look at that in just a minute. He shall give his angel charge concerning you, and they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What tempts God? When you do something on your own and you expect God to rescue you. Okay? So there it is. And after that, the devil took him to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now think about that. What scriptures do we have that we quoted recently about Satan and his power? Number one, he deceives the whole world. 12.9. Number two, he's worshipped Revelation 13.4 and 5. Okay. Now then, this also helps answer the question about the Azazel goat. Because human beings cannot tell the difference between the true Christ and the false Christ. Let's go on here. Now notice what he said. Now think of this. Satan was going to give him control of the world if he would do one thing. Verse 9. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, how many people worship Satan? See, the whole world. And it says in 1 John 5 that the world is in the power of the evil one. What do you think is going on in America? Huh? Those who are running the government are not led by God. And if you're not led by God, who is leading you? Satan and the demons. Okay? And what are they bringing in? 
demonic practices. Okay. Then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall. Now, you does not refer back to Satan because he'll never worship God. So this is quoting the scripture, okay? And that's referring to whoever reads it, okay? You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And the devil left him, all right? Now, Let's look at John 14, and let's see what Jesus said, because this becomes important. John 14, and this is what the Protestants don't like. They think that if they say that little twiddle-dee, twiddle-dum prayer, that everything is fine and they're going to go to heaven and be saved. Okay? Let's read it here. Verse 15. Okay. Now again, remember who Jesus was. The Lord God of the Old Testament come in the flesh. Okay. So he says, if you love me, and that's all that's preached, isn't it, by the Protestants. Love, 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 love. God's love is unconditional. Okay. Now look at it. What's the first word there? If. if. That's conditional, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. If you love me, keep the commandments, namely my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that it will be with you throughout the age, even the spirit of the truth which the world cannot receive, because it perceives it not nor knows it, but you know it because it dwells with you and shall be within you. Okay. Now that's the important thing. Okay. Within you is conversion. That's what God wants. Okay. Come over here to verse 21. Now this is Jesus speaking. But remember what we covered in Colossians, the second chapter, the Protestants believe that the the laws were nailed to the cross, but they weren't, okay? Verse 21, the one who has my commandments, okay? Now, it's one thing to know them. It's one thing to recite them. It's another thing to have them plaque hanging on the wall like we do over there. But they do you no good unless you do something else and is keeping them, okay? Present tense participle, is keeping them, okay? That is the one who loves me. Now, you can reverse this. The one who does not love me does not keep my commandments, okay? So what is it with the Protestants? They have a false hollow love because they don't keep the commandments. And it says in 1 John 5 that here is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay. So I want you to do some study. 
either during the feast while you're at the feast or when you get home and read first, second, and third John. Okay. Now, you need to understand what Jerome did to the order of the books in the Bible because he was a Romanist and hated the Jews. And that's how Sunday keeping came about beginning in Rome in about 60, 65, 68 AD, sometime after Paul left out of his first imprisonment because the Romans were persecuting the Jews. So the Romans said, well, we don't want to suffer persecution with the Jews, and the Romans hated them, so let's meet on Sunday. Okay? Now, logically, that sounds like a good idea, right? Don't you want to avoid persecution? Don't you want to avoid being killed? Okay, well, remember this. All logic is not truth. Now, we'll talk about why that cannot be. Okay, come down here to verse 23. Here again, verse 23, we find conditional again. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone, see, not restricted to anyone, see, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word now. That's more than just the commandments, right? And we'll look at some of the things that Jesus said in a minute. Okay. Now, what will happen with that? And my father will love him. And then here's the greatest thing that can happen in our lives with the Holy Spirit of God. And we will come to him and make our abode or dwelling with him. Now, notice verse 24. Are there any Protestants out there? Any Protestant ministers out there? You believe in the Word of God? You believe what Jesus said? Well, listen up to this. The one who does not love me does not keep my words. Now, we're going to look at some of Jesus' words here in a minute. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Because Jesus did everything that the Father instructed him to do. See? And spoke the words that the Father wanted him to speak. All right? Now, those are simple and easy to understand scriptures, right? And that's where we always start. Now, Let's come back to Matthew, the fifth chapter, and see something very important. Okay. And I don't hear this read at all on Daystar or TBN or on any Protestant presentation of Scripture. Okay. Now, here's Jesus. First person quote. All right? And Protestants say they believe in Jesus, right? Well, if you believe in Jesus, you will do what he says, right? 
And if you don't do what he says, you don't believe him, and your profession of belief is vain. Okay? So let's read it here. Okay? Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think. Now, what does that mean? Hmm? Don't even let it enter your mind, right? Don't think. That I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. But that's exactly what they think. You don't need to read the Old Testament because it's all fulfilled. Really? Well, that's because they don't read it and don't understand it. Okay. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. And this fulfill means to complete. Make it full. See? Which is this? It's not in the letter, it's in the spirit. See? Now then, they say, well, he did away with circumcision. No, he did not. He raised it to a higher level. Is not circumcision of the heart that we covered recently much more important than circumcision of the flesh? Because circumcision of the flesh was to be done on the eighth day. And the poor little boy had no idea what was going on. Right? Okay. Well, God wants the converted mind. And that takes the circumcision of the heart. Takes away the stubbornness and self-willedness by yielding to God. Okay. Now notice what else he says, verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth shall pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no way pass from the law until everything has been fulfilled. Question. Has everything been fulfilled? Is the kingdom of God on earth? Have all wars stopped? Have all crimes been eliminated? Do people love one another? Are the nations where they ought to be? No. See? Okay. Now, let's go one more verse. Therefore, whosoever shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now then, do the Protestants teach that you don't have to keep the Sabbath? Do the Catholics teach that it's okay to have idols? You know, like when I was on this Bible program on the main station in Los Angeles, I forget what, that must have been 1973, 74, somewhere around there. And it was on from 11 to midnight or midnight to 1 o'clock. Okay. And... They had a Catholic priest, Jewish rabbi, and I was on for four Sundays in a row and answering questions from the Bible. Okay, so it always comes up. See? Right here. Therefore, whosoever shall break one of these least commandments 
If you don't keep the Sabbath, what are you doing? You're breaking it, okay? If you eat unclean meats, what are you doing? You're breaking it, okay? And shall teach men so. That's what they do, right? Okay? Now, as soon as the Feast of Tabernacles is over, it's already starting. Halloween's going to be big time. And Satan starts out his day with what? His days, he starts out with what? Death. Right? Okay. What does God's holy day start out with beginning with the Passover? Life. Quite a difference, right? Okay. But whosoever shall practice and teach them. Okay. Practice means you live by them and you teach them. This one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now here is the key to all the difficulties in the New Testament, okay, at that time. It's different than we have today. We have Catholicism, we have Protestantism, we have Judaism, okay. But back then, it was just Judaism. Okay, now if you haven't watched the series that I did on church at home, you go watch it, okay? Verse 20, therefore I say to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, there is no way you shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why did he say that? Protestants very rarely understand it, okay? Let's come to Mark 7, and we will see why, okay? And this is important. Mark the seventh chapter. Okay. Because this is the key to understanding Acts 15. When the Pharisees and the scribes talk about the law of Moses, they're including all of their traditions in the whole bundle. Okay. So let's read it here, what Jesus said. Okay. Now notice, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes from Jerusalem came together to him. And when they saw some of his disciples eating with defiled hands, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. Now you go to that series I did at church at home, and you'll see how they washed their hands. Okay. Now, think on this. When you read the law, the code of Jewish law, one of the first things it said, it's important to wash your hands first thing in the morning because when you sleep at night, demons come upon you and they reside in your fingers in the morning. So you must wash your hand before you do anything. Okay. Now think about this. Okay. If you have an urgent problem, Right? What's going to happen if you have to stop and you put water on your hands? Think what's going to happen. Okay. It didn't go to work. All 
Now, let's come down here. Verse 5. For this reason, the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, saying, Why don't your disciples walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? See, their traditions were above everything. And Roy Asante, who used to run a motel, would have the Jews in Australia where he lived come over and they would keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread and their Passover with him at his motel. And they would always send a rabbi to supervise all the cooking so it would be, it would be good, see. Because if a rabbi supervises the work of a Gentile cooking the food, then it's okay to eat. But if the rabbi's not there to supervise it and bless it, you can't eat it. Okay? So through the years, when they would come, one time, Roy Asante was talking with the leading rabbi, and he said, you know, he said, if you didn't have your traditions, you would be almost like us. And the rabbi looked at him and said, if we don't have our traditions, we have nothing. Huh? Which is true. Because they don't have Christ. So let's read it. Verse 6. Your disciples don't walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said to them, Well have Isaiah prophesied concerning you hypocrites. Now, put in your notes, Matthew 23. And you read what Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees. He called them hypocrites and morons. Okay? Now, how do you think that goes over with all of these highly educated rabbis? Okay? As it is written. Now, Jesus did what? Quoted scripture, right? This people draws near to me with their lips. Isn't that what happens today? Yes, they draw near to God with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Now, notice verse 7. This is the crux of the problems in the New Testament. Right here. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And one step further, for leaving the commandment of God, you hold fast the tradition of men, such as the washing of cups and pots, and you practice many other things like this. This book of code of Jewish laws, this thick, and it's got thousands and thousands and thousands of laws. Okay. Now notice... This is exactly what Protestants and Catholics do. Then he said to them, full well, do you reject the commandment of God so that you may observe your own tradition? All right. Now then, let's come back to Matthew 7 and see 
the end result of all of this, and then we will look at some other scriptures to understand how we are, are to look at the commandments of God the way that Jesus wants us to. Okay? Now, verse 13. Now, this doesn't sound very much like Protestantism. Okay? Here's what Jesus said. Enter in through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. That's what we're seeing, isn't it, right now? Everyone doing everything in their own eyes. Okay? And they've made it a religion. They hate God. They hate the word of God. They hate anyone who keeps the commandments of God. They hate anyone who says, you ought not teach all of these gender affirmative things. And what they do with all of their surgery is absolutely ghastly and satanic that they do to the children to convince them that if you're a boy, you can become a girl. And if you're a girl, you can become a boy. But what they're doing is trying to produce a whole generation of perverts for the homosexual community. Okay? Now, leads to destruction. And many, that means the majority, are those who enter into it. For narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Then he says, verse 15, Beware of false prophets coming to you in sheep's clothing. For within they're ravening wolves. Then he says, You'll know them by their fruits and what they teach. Okay, come down here to verse 21. Okay. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one, now notice this, the one who is doing the will of, of my Father who's in heaven. That's why we have the New Testament. That's why we have the Old Testament. Okay? So that we know what the will of God is. Remember where we started. Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall man live. Okay? Now notice this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy through your name? Now, who do you think this applies to today? Protestants and Catholics, right? Notice what he says. And did we not cast out demons through your name? Oh, surely we're doing a great work. And did we not perform many works of power through your name? And Jesus ran over and and embraced them and said, Oh, bless you, brother. (laughs) No, he didn't. Notice what he said. Then I will confess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. Now, notice the contrast. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and practices them, I will compare him to a wise man 
who built his house upon a rock. Okay. Now, let's look a couple of other scriptures. Let's, let's come to Matthew 12. Okay. Let's zero in on the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is the main question. Okay. That's the main thing. What was happening, they were walking along, Matthew 12, and we'll see the same account in Mark, the second chapter. They were walking along, and the disciples were stripping off the grain from the the stalks and eating it on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees and scribes came along and said, you can't do that, you're harvesting. And so Jesus told them, Have you not read what David did and so forth? Then he comes down here to verse 5. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? But I say to you, there is one here who is greater than the temple himself. Now, if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For, okay, because the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. He is Lord. Now in the Greek, it's in the genitive case, which means he owns it. See? That's important to understand. Now let's look at the account in Mark 7. Same thing. It's in a genitive case. He owns it. He is Lord of it. Now if you change anything that the Lord has said, what are you doing? You're making yourself greater than the Lord, right? Huh? Isn't that right? Yes. Here's the same account, but let's read verse 27. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Okay? Now that is absolutely clear. All right? Now, Let's come back to Psalm 119. Now, if you want a really great study, study Psalm 119 slowly, carefully. Now, it's the longest psalm of all. It's got 176 verses. Why? Because there are sections of eight verses and 22 of them So that comes out 176. But you need to read them. Okay. Let's look at the very first verse here. Okay. Now what do the Protestants say of the law of God? They say it's a curse. Because Galatians 3 says we are saved from the curse of the law. Now, what is the curse of the law? The law or breaking it? 
Breaking it is the curse of the law. The law is not a curse. Now notice right here, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in, within the law of the Lord. Now, look up every place in Psalm 119 where it says law when you do your study. Verse 2, blessed are they who keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. Now, that's quite a thing. That's what we're trying to do, isn't it? All right, let's come to verse 33. Now, there are some other things here we can go, but we won't do it. Verse 32, notice this attitude, okay? And I think that many of these verses in here also are prophecies of how Jesus looks at the law of God or looked at it when he was in the flesh. Okay. Verse 32. Notice, I will run. Not just dilly-dally around and, oh, hum, I may do this or that or the other thing. No. I will run the way of your commandments for you have enlarged my heart. And that means he's given him understanding. See? And that's what you have when you keep the laws of God. Understanding. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord. What did Jesus say in John 6, 45? They shall all be taught of God. Now, when you read the Bible, who's teaching you? God is, right? Not true? Yes, indeed. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep them unto the end. Give me understanding. Now, this ought to be our prayer when we're studying. Give me understanding. Don't come to your own conclusions. Let it be that you put the scriptures together and God gives you the understanding of it. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and observe it with all my heart. Now, how are you going to do away with any of the laws of God? Hmm? Oh, but God did away with the sacrifices and the priest. No, he did not. He elevated it to a higher level. Christ is our sacrifice. Is that not a higher level? And Christ is our high priest. Is that not a higher level? And we, receiving the Spirit of God, are a temple of God. Is that not a higher level? And when we pray to God in heaven above, we're praying to the temple in heaven above, right where the incense comes. And you read that in Revelation, the eighth chapter. And our prayers come up directly to God like incense. Okay. Verse 74. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me. That's of Christ. Because I have hoped in your word. Okay. Now notice verse 75. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right. 
that you have afflicted me in faithfulness. So when you're going through a trial, understand that that's going to help you. Okay? Let's come here to, back to verse 47. Here's the attitude we need to have. Now, I, I won't belabor and go through, but just a few more. Okay? Verse 47. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I have loved. I will lift up my hands unto your commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate on your statutes. All right? Let's look at just a few more, and then we'll take a break. Okay? Verse 97. Here it is. Oh, how love I... Your law, it is my meditation all the day. Okay? Now notice what the commandments of God do. Very important. Verse 98, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me, your commandments. See? Okay? Why? Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Okay? Then you read the rest of them, all the things that it does. Okay? Now, come over here to verse 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is the truth. What did Jesus say about that? He said, what? I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Okay, there it is right there, okay? Come down here to, to verse 151. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. All right, think of this. If you throw away the Sabbath, you're throwing away truth. If you throw away the law of clean and unclean meats, you're throwing away truth. You throw away the Passover and holy days, you're throwing away truth. And then what do they put into substituting it? Lies. Okay? Now, with all this said, now we're ready to look at these difficult scriptures, which we will do after the break. See you in 20. Welcome back, and we'll continue on. Let's see what Israel does all the time. Now, we've seen how they profess God with their lips, but their hearts are far away from him. Now let's come to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 and verse 21. This people that I have formed for myself. Now that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Okay. The only ones that God formed directly was Adam and Eve, right? But what did he build into their system? Okay. 
to produce children, right? Who made the genes and chromosomes that started out with Adam and Eve? God did. So, every child God forms. Think of that. And it comes from original forming Adam and Eve with his own hands. Okay. This people that I form for myself, they shall declare my praise. That's the ultimate purpose. Verse 22. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob, much less have you troubled yourself about me, O Israel? Amazing. Okay. You have not brought me the lamb of your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices, even though they offered them. You have not called upon my name, O Jacob, much less have you troubled yourself with me, O Israel. You have brought me no lambs of your burnt offering, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve a grain offering or wearied you with incense. You have brought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you filled me with the fat of your sacrifices, but notice this next sentence. You have made me to serve with your sins and have wearied me with your iniquities, even though God says I'm the one to blot out your sins. How do they do that? Well, I saw a clip of Pat Robertson who said, Christmas is pagan, Halloween is pagan, New Year's is pagan, Easter is pagan, but Jesus has made it possible for us to keep them. All right. You have made me to serve with your sins. Okay, now let's come back and see how they do this. Let's come to Matthew 19. Let's look at a scripture that they always turn to, and they read it. So we'll read it. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Now at that time, one came to him and said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? There is no one good except one that is God. Now, why would he say that when he was God in the flesh? Huh? Because he had to carry the law of sin and death in him and not sin, so he could not be called good. Right? Only the Father in heaven above was good at that time. No one is good except one God. But if you desire to enter into life, keep the commandments. 
Huh. Let's read them. Then he said to him, which? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, I've kept all these things from my youth. What do I lack yet? Okay. And they read that and say, See, he didn't mention the Sabbath. So therefore, we don't have to keep the Sabbath. Right? Because he didn't mention it. Question, why didn't he mention the Sabbath? Because in the area of Galilee and Judea, they kept the Sabbath. He didn't have to mention it, right? So the absence of it does not mean that the Sabbath has been done away. All right. Let's look at another one. Romans 9. And they go here a lot. we'll, We'll go to Romans 10, and then we'll back up and read in Romans 9. Now, Romans 10 and verse 4 in the King James reads, Christ is the end of the law. So they turn there and say, see, the law has been done away. Paul did away with it. Okay. Is that true? Okay. How do we find out what it really means? All right. Let's come here, Romans 9. Let's pick it up here. Verse 30. What then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not follow righteousness have obtained righteousness even the righteousness that is by faith. Now notice verse 31. Here's the key. But Israel, although they followed after a law of righteousness, this is not the law of God. What did we read in Mark 7? They kept their tradition. That was a law of righteousness of men. Although they followed after a law, now notice it didn't say the law, referring to God. A law of righteousness, they did not attain to a law of righteousness because the traditions of men can never make you righteous, okay? You can wash your hands 20 times a day, but if your heart is evil, what good is washing your hands? You need the Spirit of God to cleanse your mind, all right? So verse 32, why? Because they did not seek it by faith. 
What do you mean? Believe God, keep his commandments, that's faith, right? Okay. Now we'll see in a minute that commandment keeping and faith go together because it takes faith to keep the commandments of God. And it takes faith to believe God. Okay. Now here's why, verse 32. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but by works of law. Now that phrase, works of law, in the New Testament means the laws of Judaism has nothing to do with commandment keeping. And that's where the Protestants get it all mixed up. But by works of law, for they stumbled at the stone of stumbling exactly as it is written, Behold, I place in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, but everyone who believes in him shall not be ashamed. Now chapter 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my earnest desire of my heart and my supplication to God is for Israel is for salvation. For I testify of them that they have a zeal for God, which they do but not according to knowledge. And that means not according to the knowledge of God. But their own traditions. For they being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God, remember what we read in Isaiah 43? You made me to serve with your sin. That's what they did. Okay. Being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Okay. Now then, here is the correct translation of Romans 10.4. Okay. Because the end of the law doesn't mean God's laws. It means the works of laws of their traditions. That's what it means. Okay. For had they really kept the laws of God the way that they should have, they would have understood the righteousness of God. But with the laws of the Pharisees, what did they have? They had their traditions. And what did Jesus say that that did? That rejected the commandments of God so they could keep their traditions. That's why they had a law of righteousness, but they never attained the righteousness that comes from God because they weren't doing what God said they were doing what their traditions dictated. Okay? Now, for Christ is the end of works of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Okay? 
Now, if you believe, then you love God. And where did we start? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments, right? And Jesus said that the law is not going to be done away till and, and never, okay? Heaven and earth will pass away, but the law and prophets won't pass away. Then he said, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. See? That's what this is talking about. It's not talking about the laws of God. Okay? Now, let's come to another one. Okay? Let's come to Acts 15. Oh, boy, oh, boy, do they salivate over this one. Acts 15. See, now, if you do not get all of the scriptures and put them together, you will come to a wrong conclusion. Right? Now, think of it this way. If you have a safe, and you were told that in there is a million dollars worth of gold. And here is the combination. So you get the combination, but the one who gave it to you doesn't tell you, left out a number. So you go to all the numbers, won't open. You do it again and again, it won't open. You try other things, it won't open, see? Because you have to have all the numbers, right? Yes. Just like with a key. Now, I've got a lot of keys here, okay, in my pocket, and I have them. This is to the main office, this is to my office, this is to the restroom, and here's to this room. And here's to 206A. Now, if I go along and I get the wrong key and I put it in there, I did it this morning, going into my office next door here, and I put, I put in the key that went to the restroom. And it didn't work. Okay? So likewise... If you don't get all the scriptures, or if you don't understand what is happening, or if you don't understand the commandments that are simple to understand, you're never going to understand these difficult scriptures. So let's read it. We'll look at Act 15 now. Verse 1. Now certain men who had come down from Judea were teaching the brethren, saying, Unless you are circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay. Huh. We'll see who they are in just a minute. What kind of circumcision are we to have? Colossians 2, of the heart. Okay. Now today, one of our biggest problems also 
are those Judaizers coming into the churches of God and saying, you've got to wear tassels. You have to have paraclause. Okay. Now, verse 2. Now, think of this in a Gentile society. Okay. Therefore, after a great deal of strife and arguing with them by Paul and Barnabas, the brethren appointed Paul and Barnabas and certain others from among them to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this question. So then, after being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, and they reported the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Now, they were telling about what they were doing in Paul's preaching and so forth. We'll look at that in just a minute. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there stood up certain of those who believed who were of the sect of the Pharisees. Now remember what the Pharisees follow, the traditions of men. And misapplying circumcision. Now remember what happened when certain from James came down in Galatians, the second chapter. Okay. Whoo! Peter didn't want to be seen as not conforming. So he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. And neither did Barnabas. And we'll read that in a little bit. That was quite a thing that happened. And quite a thing that is recorded in the scriptures, all right? The Pharisees saying it's obligatory to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Now remember, you read the footnote down there. That means all the laws of Judaism. Okay? And that's what we still have today. Okay. Now then, let's go on. Then the apostles and elders gathered together to see about this matter. Notice the Pharisees weren't there. Okay. And after much discussion had taken place, Paul stood up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that from the early days God made the choice among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Okay, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did to us. And he made no difference between us and them and has purified their hearts through faith. Okay. Now, Let's come back just a page right here. Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas come into a synagogue. They were invited to speak. Paul preached Christ. Okay. Let's pick it up in verse 38. Now this is in a synagogue. Now you have to understand how the synagogues were set up. 
The front part was for the men. Behind them were the women, and behind the women were the Gentiles who were circumcised, called proselytes. Okay? So he comes into this synagogue and preaches Christ. Verse 38. Therefore be it known to you, men and brethren, that through this man the remission of sins is preached to you, and in him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Okay? You couldn't, even with sacrifices. You couldn't, even with the traditions of men. If you couldn't with the sacrifices of God that he commanded, how could you be justified by keeping works of law of men? See? That's even a lower standard for trying to get it. Okay? So he says, Take heed, therefore, lest that which is spoken of in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers and wonder and perish, and I work a work in your days, a work that you will in no wise believe, even if one declares it to you. And when the Jews had gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles entreated that these words might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Ha! Huh. The Gentiles would keep the Sabbath. All right? Let's notice something else. Now, after the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and the proselytes who worshipped there followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. All right, notice that. It says grace of God. And on the coming Sabbath. Now, I want you to connect this together. Grace of God and Sabbath keeping go hand in hand. Okay. Now, if Sunday were a day to keep what would Jesus have had to have said? You've heard it said in ancient time that you shall keep the Sabbath, but now I tell you we're going to keep Sunday or the first day of the week. Can you find that anywhere in the New Testament? No. Okay. Notice, and the coming Sabbath, see, after he told him to continue in the grace of God. Almost the whole city was gathered together to hear the word of God. Okay. And when they saw the multitude, the Jews were filled with envy and spoke against the things proclaimed by Paul and were contradicting and blaspheming. Okay. So here we go. What did Paul teach the Gentiles to do? Keep the Sabbath. Okay. Now, when the Protestants come here to Acts 15, they claim that the only thing that the Gentiles were to do was to avoid sexual immorality and idolatry. 
Let's come over here to verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you tempt God by putting a yoke upon the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Okay. But by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we believe we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Now, the yoke was not the laws of God. The laws of God are the laws to free you from slavery. Okay. Now, verse 12. When all the multitude kept silent and heard Barnabas and Paul relate what signs and wonders were done among the Gentiles through them, and we saw it was what? Sabbath-keeping. Right? Yes. And after they were silent and said, Men and brethren, listen to me, James said. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take out a people for his name. You can find that in Acts the 10th chapter, right? What did God have to do? Convince Peter to go to Cornelius' house and after dropping down that sheet filled with all kinds of unclean animals, came down three times, and the voice was, Peter, rise and eat. And he said, no, Lord, nothing ever common or unclean have I ever eaten. Okay? Huh. He was an apostle for about ten years at that time. Okay? And it was down by Caesarea. I wonder how many of the Gentiles were eating shrimp down there. Who knows? You don't know. Okay. But he says, I've never eaten it. But God was showing him that he was to go with the soldiers that Cornelius sent and go back. And it was said of Cornelius, he was what? He was a righteous man. But here he was, a centurion and an Italian, uncircumcised, and Peter went down there to preach to them, okay? And you know what happened? God sent the Holy Spirit upon them, and then Peter said, who can deny the water? And they were all baptized, okay? Now, God did that to show that he was going to give the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles without being physically circumcised. And Peter should have known better when we come to Galatians, the second chapter. Okay. So James continues on here. And with, with this, the words of the prophets agree, for it is written after these things, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen, and its ruins I will build again and will set it up. Now that was talking about building the church. So that the residue of men might seek the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God 
are all his works in the beginning of the world. Therefore, my judgment is that we do not trouble those Gentiles who have turned to God, but we write to them to abstain from pollution of idols and sexual immorality and from what has been strangled from blood. Okay. So, Protestants read that and say, that's all God required of the Gentile. Okay. What did Paul say when he came into Athens? He preached the unknown to God. And he said, I see that you're very reverent to demons. Okay. So they look at that and say, see? Doesn't say it, keep the Sabbath. Doesn't say it, keep the holy days. So, and they say that if you try and do these things, you're trying to work out your own salvation, and you're under works. No, you're not. What are the works of law? The traditions of men. Think on this. Is not Sunday a work of man? Hmm? Are they not trying to work out their own salvation on Sunday? Yes, indeed. Okay. Now, why did he not mention they got to keep the Sabbath, they got to keep the holy days, and all of that sort of thing? Just like with Matthew 19, the absence of it does not mean God has done away with it. Here in this setting, the absence of mentioning it is not because God is doing away with the Sabbath or the holy days. Let's read it here. Verse 23, And from the generation of old, Moses has had in every city those who proclaimed him in the synagogues being read every Sabbath day. Where did the churches start that Paul went to? He came in and sabotaged the synagogues. <laughs> okay. You show me one synagogue that kept Sunday. Not going to find it. Okay. What did we read in Acts 13? That the whole city wanted to hear the word of God. What? The next Sabbath. Why didn't Paul say, well, don't you know that I am the apostle to the Gentiles and there's no need to come next Sabbath? You don't need to do that. You come here tomorrow, Sunday morning, and we'll have Sunday morning worship services. See? No. See? Being read every Sabbath. Moses. That's the law of God. Moses to the Pharisees means the laws of God with all our traditions wrapped around it. That was the oak. Okay, let's read it. 
Verse 21 again, for from the generations of old, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him in the synagogues being read every Sabbath. Okay, So this shows they were keeping the Sabbath. The question was, do you need to be physically circumcised? It was never about the rest of the laws of God. Eh? So they were keeping all the rest. That's why they didn't mention you got to keep the Sabbath, you got to keep the holy day, you got to not eat unclean foods and so forth. Okay? Then it pleased the apostles and the elders together with the whole church and sent choice men from them uh, to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Okay. And Sabbath keeping is not obliterated by anything that we find in Acts 15. But that's the one that they used to say, look, they didn't mention it. So anything, anything that the Gentiles do is okay. That isn't what it says. That isn't what it means. Okay. So then let's look at something else. Let's come to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Clean and unclean meats. Now here is where the Protestants read that it's all right to eat unclean foods. Now this little restaurant down here on the corner, it's called the Three Queens. And there are three piggies right there. And all they use is pork. Okay. So, let's read 1 Timothy 4 in the King James. Verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Now we've seen that and experienced that as well. Okay. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Isn't that what the Catholics do? Yes, indeed. And commanded to abstain from meats which God has created to be received. Where does God command about meats? Deuteronomy 14, Leviticus 11, right? which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of those who believe and know the truth. Now that pretty well defines it right there. But the next verse, here's what they read. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And they fail to read the next verse. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Okay, So, if you get a nice shoulder cut of pork and you pray over it, it's good to go. Okay, 
No, that's not it. So let's read what we have in the faithful version. Okay. Let's pick it up here in verse 1 again. Well, the Spirit tells us expressly that in the latter times, some shall apostatize from the faith and shall follow deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what we have, not just in a religious sense, but in a political sense. See? Now, who was that interview we were talking about? The Kanye West. Kanye West. Even he says that the Democrats are being led by demons. See? That's what it is. If you don't believe that this so-called gender affirmation and all of the surgical operations that go on with it is not demonic, then you don't have a clue as to what's right and wrong. Okay? Doctrine's a demon. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, it sounds like, who is the one who gives the press release? Pierre something. She can't even speak on it unless it's written down. See? And do they not speak lies and hypocrisy? Politically? Religiously? Why? Because Satan has deceived the whole world. Okay? Forbidding to marry, and look at what not marrying produces. Nothing. Commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving by the faithful, even to those who know the truth. See? Become vegetarian. Now, there's a case for some people being vegetarian. But that's not a command of God. For every creature of God designated for human consumption is good. So that's how I clarified it. Because that's what it means. But I clarified it that way because this is such a difficult scripture. That it needed that. And nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving because it is sanctified. Now, what does sanctified mean? Made holy. By the word of God. Okay. And what does the word of God say? You shall not eat pork. You shall not eat snakes. You shall not eat rabbits. Okay. And we can add don't eat bears. You know, you watch those who live below zero. Okay. They eat anything. Okay. You don't eat shrimp. You don't eat lobster. Now, there was a case of a, of, of a young woman who left the Church of God, and she was in Florida, and she ate raw oysters. You know, like a huge hunk of snot. Okay. All right. And she died. Okay. 
She'd probably still be alive today if she hadn't done that. That's another whole story. Okay. Because it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So we've covered those difficult scriptures. There are more difficult scriptures uh, that we can cover. So we'll try and cover that. But remember this. Just like when Jesus didn't mention the Sabbath, he didn't need to. Okay. Just like when the apostles didn't mention the Sabbath or any other thing, they did mention it in the way that the law of Moses is read every Sabbath. Okay. So, that means they honored the Sabbath. But people and ministers will do anything to do away with keeping the commandments of God. Now, thanks for coming on and joining us. And we're going to take a break and have a nice something to eat.